Kiddush after davening each week is a unique, special feature of any Jewish community. And uh, it's one of the more exciting times during the week. It's a time of getting together, of celebrating Shabbos, of uh, social interactions, of being mechazek and strengthening each other. And it's a wonderful institution that also carries with it several different halachic um, uh, hurdles or questions. Uh, For example, personally, the question that comes up for me every so often is that after davening, I come to the social hall, to Heritage Hall, to make Kiddush, and I will often make Kiddush out loud for the tzibur that is gathered, um, especially for the minion that I attended. And then right after Kiddush, I'm pulled into a conversation or two or three or four or five, and I get to speak to people, hear what's going on, uh, process some questions sometimes. It's wonderful, but often I don't uh, have a chance to eat. And the halacha is that Kiddush is supposed to be b'mokom su'uda. Kiddush is supposed to take place where you eat, where you have your meal. So how should I be navigating this halachic question? Now, the truth is, in recent months, I have taken to not making Kiddush for myself, um, maybe making Kiddush for others, but I found it difficult to consume delicious shul chalent and then come home and uh, have a proper appetite for the meal at home. So the question is moot at this point. But in general, this concept of Kiddush B'mokam Suda, of having Kiddush in the place where you eat, um, comes up all the time. And it's important to understand how it works. The Gemara B'sachim says, You shall proclaim Shabbos a delight. And Chazal explain that when you make a proclamation about Shabbos, when you're Mekadesh Shabbos, you sanctify Shabbos through Kiddush, it should be in the same plate, in the same place where one delights over Shabbos, i.e. the Shabbos meal. So we need to have Kiddush, the Makom, Seuda, Kiddush in the place of the meal. There are three different factors here. There is actually four factors. There is Kiddush. What constitutes Kiddush, the wine of Kiddush? Number two, the Makom, in the place of Seuda, Makom actually is a convergence of time and space. It's a point on the space-time continuum because makom in the place of the suda means both the physical place and it also means at the time of the suda. So we have to determine what's called the place of the suda of the meal and what, what's the time differentiation between kiddush and suda. And finally, number four, we need to discuss what's called the suda, what's called a meal. Absent a suda, the kiddush doesn't count, and absent kiddush, we can't partake of the meal. So we need both of those. So that's, that's what we're going to discuss this week, um, all these four different factors. We'll go in the order, in the following order. We'll talk about makom, su'uda, and then we'll talk about kiddush. So makom. Your kiddush has to take place in the same spot that you're going to, to eat. It should be in the same spot. According to the Ketosa Sholchan, it should even be in the same Dalit Amos, the same four cubits where you make kiddush. That's where you should also have your herring and crackers. Um, or whatever it is you're going to be having for Kiddush. Um, if one has in mind that when you make Kiddush, if I'm going to think, well, I'm, I'm going to move over to the other side of the room, I'm going to make Kiddush here, I see a delicious uh, kugel on the other side of the room that I want to use for my su'uda now, for my meal, which we'll discuss later, what's called a meal. I want So I'm going to make Kiddush here, because this is where uh, my people are, and I'm going to go over there to eat, so that's also fine. Uh, if I have it in mind, without any hesitation, no problem, you can move 
all about the room. If one does not have this in mind to move about the room, uh, it's still okay when there's a need. You know, let's say you didn't have that in mind, you made Kiddush, but, you, but the, the chalant on the other side of the room where the crackers or the cake catches your eye and you want to move over there to have your, your suda, your meal, your Kiddush meal, and that's also fine. So um, if you're, you know, you're making Kiddush <clears throat> in one spot for your wife, uh, your kids, and you want to go speak to the rabbi on the other side of the room and want to catch him, so um, it's best to have in mind that you're going to move over to the other side of the room when you eat, but if not, it's also okay. So that's the primary uh, spot is where you are or within Daladamas or where you plan on being. That's all in the same room. Now, there's two other scenarios we have to discuss, which is what if you want to or need to go to a different room in the same building, and what if you want to or need to go to a different house entirely or to go outside the building? How does that work? When is it still called your makam, your place, and when is it beyond your makam and it doesn't work anymore? So if you want to go to a different room, you want to make kiddush in one room and there's food in a different room that you'd like to partake of, so the Mishnah Brewer explains you have to have in mind that you're changing locations, number one. And number two, you should be able to see the place uh, in which you made Kiddush, or in, in which Kiddush was recited. Uh, Shmir Shabbos Kolchasa says, even if you're not actively looking, you have to be able to see the place where you were. That also is, is okay. So you have to meet two of those conditions. You have to have in mind you're changing locations, and you should be able to see the place in which you made Kiddush. If only one of those two conditions are met, then uh, you need not repeat Kiddush. Uh, the Kiddush still counts. But it's better to have both criterion. And if you have neither, um, then your Kiddush doesn't count, and Kiddush must be repeated. Uh, you have to be careful there if this happens, because you shouldn't be repeating your bracha on uh, Hagofen again. Shabbos day Kiddush consists of just making a Hagofen. So I guess you would have to make an Al Hagofen, wait a bit and make another Hagafen in order to be able to eat, um, make Kiddush again and eat. Um, so as I said before, if neither of those conditions are met, then you have to repeat Kiddush. What's an example of this? Let's say you're in our shul, you're in Heritage Hall, and uh, you hear Kiddush in one spot, and then you decide after hearing Kiddush that you're going to go elsewhere, you want to go hear a shir, a class given in the conference room where you have some friends gathered in another part of the building, so um, if you go over there to the, to the second location, then your Kiddush no longer works. Um, you really have to go back to the first location in order for your Kiddush to work. Um, so that is, uh, that's about making Kiddush and going into a different room. Again, the two conditions, you have to have in mind you're going to the separate room and be able to see the place in which you had Kiddush. Bidyeved, uh, in cases of need, one out of two conditions are enough. Now, what about moving locations not from room to room within the same building, but from um, house to house, from a totally different, uh, to a totally different location to outside? So um, if one wants to do so, then you really have to have your Kiddush and your Suda here in this spot and only afterwards go outside. It's best to eat here, at the very least, uh, at the very least drink here, which we'll talk about later on in this class. So in extenuating circumstances, if for some reason you need to make Kiddush in one spot and eat in another spot, as long as you can see the first spot, it will still work. If you cannot see the first spot, then the Kiddush will not work and you have to make Kiddush again.
So what's considered to be two separate houses? If you have two apartments in the same building, but so it's all under one roof, but they're owned by two different people, that's called two separate houses. So you can't make Kiddush in one house or one apartment and go to the other to eat. Same thing would be with two hotel rooms rented to two different people. Um, if a person is in a hospital for Shabbos where there's no particular ownership over a specific room, it's all under one roof, under one ownership, so then that can be compared to moving from room to room, which we said above should be done with two conditions, intention to move and with seeing, although one out of two conditions is enough when necessary. By the way, an interesting question came up during the height of the corona pandemic in which you had a corona patient who was single, needed to hear Kiddush, uh, didn't know how to make Kiddush on their own or was unwell. And the question was, can you have <clears throat> somebody else make Kiddush for them outside their house? Um, because then the Kiddush is not in the same spot as the, uh, as the meal. The person making, making Kiddush is outside. The person, the patient is inside. So the halacha is that it works without a hitch, without a problem. Because the, at least it works for the listener. Because the patient inside has their meal in front of them. They listen to, they hear the Kiddush from the person reciting Kiddush outside. For them, that is Kiddush b'makom su'uda. So the person reciting Kiddush, he, that's not his Kiddush. He's not having a meal there. But for the person listening, they have their meal in that location, and therefore that is fine. That works as Kiddush uh, b'makom su'uda. Okay, so this is all um, about different locations in the same room, different locations in the same building, and different locations from building to building or from house to house. Um, what about leaving and coming back? You know, let's say, for example, uh, you made Kiddush and then you had to, there was a crying baby and you had to go to, to a different room and tend to the baby or change a diaper or um, even go to a different room to bring Kiddush food back. So you made Kiddush in room number one in your living room. And then you realize you forgot to bring the Mizonos out. You forgot to bring the Kiddush food out. So you went into the kitchen and now you're coming back. So have you lost your Kiddush b'makom su'uda? Um, how does that work? So if you're leaving for meal purposes, in other words, you're trying to provide for the su'uda, then there's no problem. The examples that I, that I gave uh, just now, going to bring the Kiddush food, even going to change the baby, it's necessary to change the baby in order to, uh, to attend the, the meal and to, uh, to make brachas in this location, and therefore it would be fine. What about going uh, to an entirely different location? For example, let's say it's sukkahs and you make kiddush in your sukkah. And then you need to go inside to wash and then come back out. So have you ruined your kiddush b'makom su'uda by going inside to wash? There are some poskim who say that you have to uh, be careful. Um, it's sukkah's time and recommend um, washing in the sukkah or right next to the sukkah. But there are many who are makil and say that since you're going in for the purposes of your meal, then it's like an extension, and, um, and it's okay to go inside to wash and then come back out, and you, have, you haven't uh, abrogated, you haven't interrupted your kiddush b'makom uh, suda. Okay, so that's all about the location, the place of kiddush and interruptions. Now, what about the time, the time aspect? All of the above interruptions that we referred to in space, suppose that there is no serious interruption in time. If there is an interruption in time, then that could be a problem. If you remain in one area, in one room, 
If you're floating, buzzing around the Kiddush room and schmoozing for a very long time, that could be a problem because you're not, uh, you weren't actively making Kiddush in the same spot that you're having your meal right now because there's been a big delay. Maybe the same physical location, but it's not the same zone, not the same time frame. So how long do you have? The Ramah's language in the Shulchan Aruch is that it should be immediate, miyad, right away. No interruptions whatsoever. Um, as we said before, interruptions for the sake of a meal, according to many poskim, is fine, like washing your hands or going to take off your jacket or setting something up for the meal. That's all included in miyad, in, in right away. But it really can't be too long. And the question is, how long is too long? And often in um, defining matters of time in halacha, it's not entirely clear. Posts can give numbers like 30 minutes. Um, I actually saw that uh, in the Art Scroll uh, Sefer, um, on, it's called The Radiance of Shabbos by Rabbi Simcha Buna McCohen. He has a, a long footnote there in which he talks about the, the source for this halacha. The Ramah is quoting a maharil. The earlier, the earlier commentaries and poskim didn't have access to the Maharil. Um, but nowadays we have access to the responsum of the Maharil, and we're able to see the Ramah's source. And what is clear from his responsa is that immediate is not literally immediate. It's, it's really something of an attitude. If you're planning on eating right away, and then you're delayed by something, then even a long delay is tolerable. You're in meal mode. But if you come to Kiddush and you're not planning on eating right away, um, then you're kind of interrupting your meal mode, and even a short delay is too long. So according to the source of the Ramah, the Maril, it seems to be one uh, more of an attitude of, of, of connecting the Kiddush with the meal than it is actual uh, numbers. However, the numbers that, as I said before, the numbers that I've seen are uh, some say 30 minutes, some say 45 minutes. Um, really, it should be as, as soon as you can, but that's the upper limit. Okay, so we talked about the makom, the place, and the time of this uda. Now, what is called a meal? You know, usually in halacha, we talk about meals um, in, that take the form of washing and sitting down. Uh, so how does that work with all of our kiddushes, in which we don't do that? By the way, the gra actually held that kiddush, uh, that a suda is not the way we do it, and it really should only be on bread. But that's uh, not the general consensus in halacha. It's clearly not what the minig is in Klai Yisrael amongst the Jewish people. So what does constitute a meal in this context? So the, the Shulchan Aruch is clear that mezonas is on bread, as we said, excuse me, the suda is a, a suda of bread or on one of the five grains. So cakes, uh, crackers, cookies, or even uh, uh, kogels. I mentioned kogel before, but it has to be noodle kogel that you would make a mezonas on. So that, that would constitute a meal for these purposes. And you have to have a kezayis, um, an olive uh, bulk, an olive amount of that type of, of food. Now, there are certain cases and even certain times during the year when this is not really possible. For example, on Pesach. Uh, on Pesach, we don't host a Kiddush here in Shul. And one reason is, is all the kashras involved. But another reason is because it's not easy to have a Kiddush B'mokum Su'udan Pesach. Uh, without washing and sitting down and having some matzah, what are you going to have a mezonas on? If, especially if you're a non-Gibrachts person, like some of us are, um, you don't have much of a choice to have a mezonas on Pesach. So on Pesach, when there is a necessity to have a Kiddush, then we are reliant upon the opinion 
that drinking of wine itself uh, can constitute a suda for this halach of Kiddush B'mokom suda. That would be wine or, or grape juice. And how much wine would you have to drink? So um, in order to create a Kiddush B'mokom suda, your suda would have to consist of a revis of wine. Revis is a halachic shir we mentioned earlier, is uh, somewhere between three and a bit ounces to about five ounces. Uh, according to Moshe Feinstein, is about 3.3 fluid ounces. That's a revius. And the person who recites Kiddush should add to that because this revius is his meal, but he also needs to drink uh, the requisite amount for Kiddush. So in addition to having a revius, before that revius, he also should have uh, a cheekful, a rove revius. The majority of revius is the same thing as a cheekful. So a cheekful for Kiddush followed by a revius, that's for the person reciting Kiddush. For those listening, they don't have to have that extra cheekful because they're not reciting Kiddush, but they do have to have that revius. Um, it's not that much, uh, three plus fluid ounces, uh, in order to count, to count for their for their meal. Uh, the Orach HaShulchan, by the way, says that a single revius is enough for everybody for the daytime Kiddush. So this would apply Pesach time. would also apply for um, people who can't have their gluten-free and they can't have one of the five grains, someone who has celiac, uh, people in my family have that condition, and and uh, and that's what they rely upon for their meal, is the uh, is the is the grape juice or the extra grape juice. When even that is not a possibility, uh, somebody is on a diet where they can't eat grains or drink uh, wine or grape juice, so there's really no other option for kiddush b'makom's uda. So the mishabura quotes a shultigibarim who says that when a person is weak and there's no other option available, they can use fruit. Or any, really anything around to fulfill the meal requirement. Ramosha Feinstein uh, was not a fan of this position. He actually held that there are scenarios in which, when there's no um, available option for a proper suuda, a kiddish style suuda that we were referring to here, then a person should simply uh, eat without kiddish. Kiddish is not an option. Kiddish only works when there's a proper suuda. That was his position. However, many, including the Chazanish, are lenient to include other foods when grains or wine grape juice are not available. So that's a little bit about what constitutes a meal. Best case option is bread. Um, but the postgame, the general consensus of postgame is that mizonos are all fine. Uh, Kezayas worth of mizonos uh, is, is, is a great option. When that's not possible, uh, then um, uh, some grape juice, a revius, 3.3 fluid ounces, fluid ounces or so of wine or grape juice is a, uh, is a good option. And when push comes to shove, there's nothing else available, then, um, then other foods can also work. The Chazanish actually is quoted as having said, you know, this would be very relevant, by the way, for somebody who is a uh, celiac patient, someone who has, who has celiac and really can't eat anything else, never eats anything else. Chaznish said, when you have a person who, do, who is on a, a diet, a strict diet where they can't or don't eat anything else, and that is their suda, whatever they normally eat for Shabbos. If they don't have crackers, mizonos, they don't have chalant with barley, if all they have is a salad and all they have is gluten-free, whatever it is, that is their suda, and that would count um, as well. So that's a good uh, leniency to know about when no other option suffices. Okay, so now let's get to one more issue here. We discussed Kiddush B'makam Suda. We talked about the place. We talked about the time. We talked about the um, food that the Suda consists of. Now let's get, to the, get back to the beginning, to the Kiddush part. Um, what 
should be used for Kiddush itself? What can I use? So the number one beverage of choice, as we all know, is yayin, is wine. Wine is strongly preferred. It is the drink of choice. Uh, it's been a drink of importance and elegance throughout the millennia to denote chashivas, importance. Um, and we use it consistently and continually. In Yiddishkeit, uh, it was used in, with karbonos and libation offerings. It's used throughout um, all, all of our meals and our udos at a bris, at a wedding, at our Shabbos meals, Yantav's meals. Wine is it. It's significant that the very first, um, very first plant, very first thing planted that Noah had planted after the world had been destroyed and was to be recreated uh, was a vine, was a vineyard. Now, that didn't end well. He didn't utilize it properly. But you see the seminal importance of wine and of using wine properly in the service of Hashem. So wine is, is, is king. And there are some weighty opinions that hold that when wine is available in the area, no other beverage will suffice for Kiddush. It's one of the two opinions codified in the Shulchan Aruch, and therefore when it comes to nighttime meals, the general consensus is that only wine should be used. If that's not an option, then it is preferred to use bread over using other beverages. And even for the daytime Kiddush, which is uh, more lenient, because it doesn't, uh, doesn't possess a biblical quality to it. It's not a deraisa. It doesn't have a deraisa aspect to it like nighttime does. Even for the daytime condition, there are many authorities that have frowned upon the custom to use other beverages um, for Kiddush. And it really makes sense that one should only use wine or grape juice wherever possible. Um, however, the bottom line is, when talking about schnapps, whiskey, other alcoholic beverages, that the Chayyadama and Mishnabura allow it when you prefer the taste of whiskey over wine. This is for Shabbos Day Kiddush. Um, there's a much longer discussion here about the topic of a, a chamar midina, which is the special drink of your locale. Ramosha defines this as the drink that a person would serve his guests as a sign of respect. It's a drink one doesn't drink to quench thirst. He says that uh, soda is an example of a drink that is, um, it can be served at fancy functions, but it's one that person will drink to quench their thirst, and therefore it does not count as chamar medina, which is a special drink that can be used as a wine replacement when necessary. So what is included in chamar medina? Not soda, as we said. Uh, beer is included. Whiskey or other hard drinks or alcoholic beverages. And many hold that coffee and tea are also included in this list. Uh, now, even if the beverage you're using is acceptable, um, the question is, uh, if you can possibly eke out the right amount. If beer is your choice, then that's fine, but if whiskey is what you'd like to use, or any other um, alcoholic beverage, uh, hard, hard liquor, then w- there's another question, which is the amounts. We've learned that the cup you use for Kiddush has to hold a revius, which is, as, as I said before, 3.3 to about 5 fluid ounces. And you need to drink a cheekful or a majority of that revise. So how do you do that with, uh, with whiskey? And uh, I know there are volunteers out there raising their hand, but it's not an easy thing to do. Mr. Brewer says if one uses schnapps, one needs to have a very large glass and gulp down a full cheekful, not these standard one ounce or two ounce uh, shot glasses. Um, however, many don't do this and can't do it and probably shouldn't do it. 
And nevertheless, some have the deliberate custom to use a little whiskey. It's told in the name of um, the Rafshitzer, Reb Naftali Mirafshitz, that he told his Hasidim that they should specifically use a small cup of whiskey for Kiddush on Shabbos day. I'm not sure how many of us have a real Masorah or tradition in our families or communities to do this, but the question still remains, how does this work halachically? Um, the most common limutzchus, the most common halachic defense of this uh, practice is to rely upon the opinion of the Taz. The Taz maintains, not like the Magan Avram, but the Taz maintains that due to the potent nature of whiskey and other hard liqueurs, one can use a smaller amount. That's like the normal amount that has the importance, the chashivas for people, uh, even though it's a smaller amount. So whatever people normally use, however they normally treat this uh, beverage, that's enough. Um, but it's important to note, on one hand, it is a cherished and um, in certain streams of tradition, a very holy minhag. On the other hand, it has these halachic um, um, hurdles to it. And uh, we have to rely upon a couple of degrees of leniencies in order to allow this. So really the, the best option is to use wine or, uh, or grape juice. Um, and then afterwards to have, a, to have some schnapps if that's your taste. Okay, so there was a few th- other things I wanted to get to, but I see we're hit the 25-minute mark. So I'll continue. Next week, we will get to some of the other ideas and laws surrounding Shabbos meals and uh, Shal Shudas and, um, and the end of Shabbos. So stay tuned. Meanwhile, enjoy your Shabbos, enjoy the Shabbos quizzes, and just to uh, recap what we covered today, we spoke about Kiddush B'makom Seuda, uh, changing spots in a room, changing different rooms, changing different houses, leaving and coming back. Uh, we talked about how long is too long when you're waiting between Kiddush and your Seuda. We talked about what constitutes a meal, and we discussed what types of beverages are preferred for Kiddush. Have a wonderful Shabbos.